the Lord's got us in a series called Supernatural Acceleration. And I want to remind you of the word of the Lord that came through Dr. Jerry Savelle. We read this last week, but let me give it to you again. Pay very close attention to it. This is very, very significant to us. He said, these are the days of acceleration, says the Lord. Days in which I will cause those who demonstrate an uncompromising stand on my word and an unwavering faith in my promises to experience in one year what used to take 10 years. Listen to it again. To experience in one year what used to take 10 years. And in two years, what previously took 20 years. I'm in a hurry, says the Lord, to get things done and to fulfill all that I have declared. And you are the generation that will see it come to pass. Settle it in your heart once and for all that giving up and giving in and turning back are no longer a part of your lifestyle. And I assure you that your future will be filled with good things and your victories will be many. Your victories will be many. He said, these are days of acceleration. And what I thought was just an offering message a few weeks ago, I've come to find out the Lord had a whole lot more to say to us about it. And when he's saying these things to us, it's for a reason. This is a big book. Y'all, there's a lot of directions we could go. There's a lot of good things we could talk about. There's a, a, any number of subjects that the Word of God addresses. The Word's got something to say about everything in life. That was the big thing that I got growing up in the household that I grew up in. The big thing I got was, Jeremy, the Word's got something to say about everything. There's not one issue that you and I face. There's not one need that you and I have that the word doesn't say something about it. You and I can go to God and go to his word for absolutely everything. But that said, we could be talking about any number of things right now. We could be talking about any number of different topics and subjects, talk about faith, talk about love, talk about joy, we could be talking about marriage and family and relationship, all wonderful things, but we got to know what God wants to say to us, what he wants to say and when he wants to say it and how he wants to say it. Just because we could flip open these pages and randomly point to something and say, oh, well, this will make a good message. You don't want to hear that. And I don't want to try to give that. What am I telling you? We want to hear from him. You want to hear from him. You're not looking to hear from another man, another woman. You want to hear from him. Say it. I want to hear from you, Lord. We want to hear from him. And what he wants to talk about, evidently, is supernatural acceleration. Now, why would he want to talk about that? Well, what happens as you hear the word? Tell me what, what comes. Faith comes. So as you hear about supernatural acceleration... What happens to your faith? Faith begins to rise in that area. Faith in that area. What area? Believe in God to see things. Believe in God for your faith to actually become sight. 
And that's what Brother Jerry went on to say in this word. He said, you know, if you're not careful, you can come to the place where you're speaking the word, but you're not really expecting it to come to pass. Listen to that. You can come to the place in your life where you are speaking the word. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to put God's word in your mouth, but it's powerless, it's empty if you don't add some expectation to it. And this is one of the things that we as people of faith, and when I say that, I'm talking about people who wake up every day with faith on the brain, who live by faith and walk by faith and talk by faith and fight by faith and overcome by faith and receive by faith and win by faith. And we do everything we do by faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the way we live life. That's what makes us different. That's what makes this house different. But one of the things we as people and family in this house have got to be careful over is that we're not just going through some motions, that we're not just saying the things we heard we should be saying and doing the things we were told we should be doing, but that we're actually adding some expectation with it. In other words, I am praying I'm believing, I'm reading the word of God, I'm spending time with God, and I'm expecting that what I'm doing is about to bring some change into my life. I'm expecting that the words I'm declaring are not empty words, just like God said, my word will not return void to me, but it will accomplish. God speaks with expectation. In other words, he doesn't just say something and, and do it out of habit, do it out of tradition. This may come as a shock to you, but God's not very religious. I don't think I've ever said that before. God is not a very religious person because with religion comes zero expectation. With habit and tradition and, and a a lifeless religion, you're just going through some motions, but that ain't us because that's not him. He said, my word does not return to me void, but it accomplishes the thing that I sent it to do. Now, are you really expecting your word to do the same thing? See how quiet it is? People haven't been trained to expect that. Oh yeah, we know that God's words have power in them, but people aren't really expecting their word to come out with power. Maybe they're saying the right thing, but if you're not adding expectation to it, then don't expect to see any results from it. It's when God's words are in your mouth and you add your faith and your expectation to it, that's when we begin to see results. And the other thing that we have been guilty of and we've got to watch out for is not just automatically expecting everything to take a really long time. Now, as people of faith, we got to be willing to stand and stand until the end, stand until we see it, stand until our faith becomes sight. And that doesn't matter if it's a week, a month, a year, 10 years, we stand and we believe God and we don't quit believing God. But I think sometimes we've convinced ourselves that this whole faith thing just takes a really long time. And we begin to expect it to take months and years to the point 
where we're not even really persuaded or convinced that we're really going to see change at all. That's not a good place to be in. What the Lord is telling us right now is, forgive me here, but I'm going to say it like this, jack up your expectation. You ever heard somebody say, well, don't get your hopes too high. You will never hear me say that. When you come into this place, I hope you leave with your hopes so sky high. Why does somebody say, don't get your hopes up? Well, they're trying to avoid disappointment, but they're not talking about Bible hope. Bible hope isn't about you wishing. It's not even about you wanting something really badly. The word hope in the scripture literally means expectation. Faith is the substance of the things we hope for. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'll say it to you like this. Faith is the foundation. Hope is the expectation. Your expectation has to have a foundation. And once it's got that foundation, then jack it up, man. Get those hopes up high. Begin to expect something good and expect it every single day. That's why we talked about it uh, last week. Today is a good day for a miracle. Waking up every day, not expecting it on down in the future. Maybe someday, sure hope so. No, today. What did Jesus say? Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What have we been singing about all morning? Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it and I will be glad when? Tomorrow? Someday? Today. Now, if you watch most people live life, they, you, you would think they think that scripture says tomorrow is the day the Lord's made and I might rejoice then. No. When is it? Today. Today, right now. Today, this scripture is fulfilled. And Brother Jerry said that we need to be expecting more of these suddenlies when the Lord does things suddenly for us. And that's why we spent a lot of time last week looking at scripture after scripture after the scripture when the Lord did something immediately, when he did something suddenly and suddenly their eyes were opened and they could see and suddenly, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength and, it, and suddenly the earth began to shake and immediately the prison doors were opened wide. Suddenly, immediately. Can you tell we haven't been expecting suddenly? We haven't been expecting immediately. Well, I'm leaving this place today with my hope jacked up so high. I'm expecting it more and more and more in my life, in my family, in this church, in our ministry. Suddenly, suddenly, watch out. Why? Because suddenly, immediately, praise the Lord, supernatural acceleration. We've been looking at this verse from the book of Amos chapter 9. Turn there with me or we'll put it on the screen for you. Amos chapter 9 verse 13 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes him who sows seed. The mountains will drip with sweet wine and the hills shall flow with it. We've been getting a kick out of it from the Message Bible. It says, Yes, indeed, it won't be long now, God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. 
And everywhere you look, what do you see? Come on, what do you see where you, everywhere you look? What about when you look to the left, what do you see? What about when you're looking to the right, what do you see? How about in front of you? Behind you? North? South? East? West? Come on, what are you seeing? Blessings, blessings, blessings everywhere you look. And he said everything happening all at once. This is because of this acceleration of time. This is the word of the Lord. It was the word of the Lord then. It is the word of the Lord to us in this church right now, in this house, in your house, that God is speeding things up for us, condensing time for us. And you notice the, the picture that he used to illustrate that were those who were sowing and those who were reaping. Look at it one more time. I think I just deleted all my notes. Hold on, see if this works. I did. I just deleted every one of these notes. Glory to God. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> Praise your Lord. Technology. Wow. Notice what he said. Put that back up there for us. Amos chapter 9, verse 13. Look at it first of all in the New King James. He said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall do what? Overtake, Overtake the reaper. Now, to illustrate this whole time speeding up thing, this whole thing where it's taken one year what used to take 10, what's taken two years what used to take 20, the picture is sowing and reaping. The plowman and the reaper. Now, those are two very distinct jobs, you could say. They're two very distinct parts of the harvesting process, or you could call it the, the increasing process. There's no harvest without a seed. And that's why the word says, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will remain. But it's that time portion that God's messing with. Because in... In a natural atmosphere and under natural law, you sow seed and then you got to give it time. And depending on the kind of seed and the kind of soil, you might have to give it a long time. That's why you don't see a farmer sow a seed on a Monday. And you don't see him out there in the field on Tuesday going, where it's at? Where it's at? Come on. It's got to be here somewhere. Why? Needs more time. But the picture he uses here in the word is a picture of somebody sowing and coming right behind him is somebody reaping to the point where the one reaping, what did he say? Put it back up for us because it's not my notes. Will overtake the, re the, the sower, the reaper. What, what he's saying here is these two things begin to overlap. They're happening so fast. He goes on. What does he say next? The treader of grapes, him who sows seed. So again, two distinct parts of the process, but this time thing's being so condensed that they begin to overtake one another. Now that's when supernatural law is beginning to supersede natural law because natural law says, sow a seed and it's gonna take a while before that thing starts to produce. Supernatural law says, sow it and watch what I can do. And we're seeing this. A few weeks ago when we had our back to school Sunday, 
And we all got to hang out there in the parking lot together for a while. It was so wonderful. Just got to fellowship with people. And I met a family, and I don't see them here today, but um, I think they, they watch online. They came and introduced themselves to us. He said, I got to tell you this testimony. He said, we had a pretty big need in our family. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it had to do with um, some school needs. Anyway, he came and said, um, we were watching online and we had about $10 left. And the Lord moved on them, sow it. So they did. They sowed the last of what they had in that service watching online. That was your family, wasn't it? Am I telling the truth? Correct me if I get these details wrong, okay? But before the end of the service, is that right? Rodrigo, am I get that right? Before the end of the service, somebody called. And what'd they say? $1,000 came in. So what'd you sow in the beginning? 10. And before the end of the service, 1,000 came back. What is that? That's, that's not sowing tick-tock, tick-tock, days, weeks, months, reaping. That's sowing reaping. <laughs> that's, that's almost not sowing reaping. It's like so reaping, where it all becomes one word. Thank you for sharing that with me. That, that has blessed me and stuck with me over the last several weeks. That's the kind of flow the Lord's talking to us about. Sowing, that time being condensed, and reaping. One more time, put that scripture back up there for us. Actually, I want to look at it from the Amplified Bible, not the classic, but the, the traditional Amplified. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall do what? Overtake. Overtake. I want you to pay attention to that word. Shall overtake the one who gathers, keep going, the harvest, and the one who treads the grapes shall overtake, overtake him who sows the seed. Overtake. Man, I had this great message I've been meditating on all week long, and I had this wonderful, which I thought was direction from the Lord for today, but late last night, I'm looking at my scriptures again, and that word overtake just starts popping off the page. I thought, okay, well, this other thing will be good for another time. Let's talk about overtake. Overtake. Overtake, we know what the word means. In other cultures, in, in other English-speaking cultures, you hear it more, uh, say, in Europe, England, and, and countries over there, where we might use the word pass, they would use the word overtake. For example, this happens every so often. We get out here in the mountains. Anybody like to drive up deeper into the mountains? Anybody like to head up towards um, Breckenridge or any of that area? You like to go skiing? You like to go snowboarding? Anybody hiking, camping up there? Well, from here, you may have noticed, we've got a lot of like little two-lane roads. And I have experienced this on more than one occasion where there's somebody in a camper, like 18 cars in front of me, and he's slowing the whole thing down. <laughs> You're looking at me like nobody else has ever experienced this. <laughs> and it's that, that line of cars, and it's all men trying to break records, getting their family to their final destination in less time than ever before, 
but we're all stuck behind that one slow-moving guy, right? And it's just double lines for miles and miles and miles. But as soon as you get that dotted line, I need, to, I need some men to help me out in this church this morning. Come on, what do you do? You pass. You know what they call that in England? Overtake. Now, if you're going to overtake, what must you do? Accelerate. Accelerate. You have to. And some of you are going, gladly. <laughs> you got to get out there and punch it. Accelerate. Put some power in it so that you can overtake. That's what this word is talking about. An acceleration. The word overtake literally means to come up behind or to come upon and overtake. Now, in that context, it's talking about passing by, which is interesting because we've been talking about the example out of the book of John and in other places where Jesus went walking on the water to the disciples. And I think it's Mark's account that adds an interesting detail that you don't see in the others. It says, Jesus came walking to them on the water, which is already completely annihilating natural law that says, you can't do that. And Jesus says, yes, I can. And he does. But one of the other gospels adds this detail, and he would have passed them by. In other words, I'm going to the other side. Y'all can mess around out here in the middle if you want to. You can struggle. You can row against the wind. You can struggle in all your might and your effort and your energy, or I can get in this boat with you. But I'm going. One way or the other, I'm going to the other. He would have completely overtook them, which tells me Jesus wasn't just strolling. He's moving. He's moving. If he can get to the other side of the lake in a storm faster than 12 guys in a boat, come on, he's moving. And he would have passed them. But they very wisely said, Jesus, we willingly receive you into our boat. Amen. Overtake. Maybe you have been the guy in the camper. Maybe you've been the one at the front of the line. I hear my brother-in-law Jordan over here. He's well known among our family for taking his time. He doesn't know this, but sometimes he comes to our house for an early morning ride to the airport and I'm watching the clock. All right, we got to get there and we get in and Jordan's like five miles an hour under the speed limit. <laughs> and I'm thinking, brother, I want to overtake this right now. But if you're moving slow and you're just enjoying yourself and taking your time and you look in that rearview mirror and about a quarter mile or more behind you comes this I don't know, cherry red Ferrari or whatever. And he's gaining on you fast. He's coming up on you quick. What do you know is about to happen? You're about to get overtook. Overtook. Anybody ever been overtook? This is Tyler. A lot of you know Tyler. He serves on our staff. He's our resident car guy. And uh, he, he's got cars on his brain coming out his eyes and ears almost all the time. He knows a lot about cars. And uh, he, he and his wife, Audrey, are from Branson, Missouri, so we knew them all the way back then before they moved out here with us. And one day, Tyler was giving me a ride home from church there in Branson in his Corvette Z06. Does that mean anything to anybody in here? 
It means something to Tyler, I'll tell you that. And we're driving along. It's not a very long drive from the church to the house. And we're talking. Correction. I'm talking. I don't know what I was saying. I'm sure it was some very heavy, deep revelation. All of a sudden, Tyler punches it. No warning to me. No, hey, watch this. No, hold on. Nothing. Just punches that thing. In a nutshell, what's that thing got? I ask you like it's going to mean anything to me, but let's just pretend I'm going to understand what you're saying. What, what it have in it? 700 and something horsepower. Nothing like that had ever happened to me before, nor has anything like that happened to me since. My back was in that chair. My heart was in my throat. I don't remember what I was saying. I stopped saying it. Never felt anything like that before. You know what that is? Power. Power. And it takes some power to overtake. When I started meditating the scripture yesterday, something else came to my mind and to my heart. Pretty quickly, it's out of the book of Deuteronomy. Turn there with me. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Somebody say overtake. Somebody say power. Deuteronomy chapter 28. You're going to like this. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1, Now it shall come to pass. That's pretty definitive, right? If you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth, verse 2, and all these blessings. What did, what did the Bible say in Amos? He said, everywhere you look, blessings. And again, the picture he used there were mountains, Ma uh, blessings flowing like wine down the mountains and the hills. And I don't know why it didn't occur to me until sometime yesterday of where I am positioned as those blessings flow down the mountain. I'm in that valley. I'm at the base of that mountain. And as I look up, I see blessings flowing down that mountain. Guess what's about to happen? I'm about to get overtook. You ever seen an avalanche? Hopefully never one too close, but maybe online or a video of something. Man, that thing comes rushing down that mountain. And whatever's at the base of that mountain is about to get overtaken, about to get overtook. And he said, that's what the blessing of the Lord is about to do. Because of this time that's being condensed, it's not a trickle of blessings. It's an avalanche flowing down this mountain. He said in chapter 28, Deuteronomy, verse 2, all these blessings are going to do what? Come upon you. Come upon you. Like that Corvette Z06. And you look in the rear view mirror. What's happening? It's coming up on you. It's gaining on you. 
And not only is it going to come up on you, it's going to, it's going to do what? It's about to overtake you. Blessings coming up on you and overtaking you. And the implication here is this is not going to be something that happens just a little bit at a time. This is something that happens suddenly. This is something that happens immediately. He said, all these blessings are about to come up on you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. I thought I might just read you some of these blessings that are getting ready to come up on you and overtake you. You ready for this, church? This is, a, this is what's coming your way. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Verse five, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Why? Because you're blessed. And these blessings are coming up on you and they are overtaking you. Verse eight, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. That's your accounts, your bank accounts, your investments. And in all to which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you if you keep his commandments, keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. They're going to be afraid of you. The Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. That's you being debt free, being blessed. Thank you, Lord. The Lord, I love it. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words that I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Don't be going after other gods. Why? They can't bless you like this one can. Now, you know, there are people that hear us talk like this and say that people like you and I talk too much about blessing. This is one of the big arguments, one of the big criticisms against the things that, that, that you and I uh, ascribe to, the things that you and I teach and preach and believe, that we talk too much about blessing. But I just read a few verses, and how many times did he say, not me say, he say, blessed blessed, blessed, blessed. And this is just a few verses out of one chapter. I'm talking about this whole book. 
How many times did you hear God say to people, bless, I want to bless you. I want to increase you. I'm the God who blesses you. Come on, how many times did he say to Abraham, I will bless you and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. I will bless you. The fruit of your body will be blessed. You'll be blessed in everything you set your hand to do. The blessing, it's literally called the blessing of Abraham. Don't be talking to me about talking too much about blessing. I'm not talking enough. You're not talking enough about it. We got a lot of catching up to do. If we're going to ever start talking about blessing as much as God is talking about blessing, and he's not just talking about a little blessing somewhere out there, maybe one day down the road. He's talking about blessing coming up on you and overtaking you. All right. It might get loud in here overtaking you, being overtaken by the blessing. In Genesis chapter one, go there with me. You think we talk too much about blessing? Take it up with him. We're just reading his word. We know this account, the Genesis account, when God created the heavens and the earth, verse two, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. The original Hebrew says, God said, light be. And there was this little flicker out in the distance that over the next 65 billion years began to increase slowly but surely and eventually grew to the point, shut up. Are you kidding me? That's not what this says. He said, light be and light was. Does that sound like suddenly? Oh, it is suddenly. I don't know who it was or when they figured it out, but they figured out at some point in our human history how suddenly light travels at 186,000 miles not an hour, a second. That's even faster than Tyler was going that night. <laughs> 186,000 miles a second. And before God released that, it was complete darkness. It was completely void and empty. And the moment God said, light be, he released not just not just the, the, the visible effect of light, but all the creative power in it came out of him at a force of 186,000 miles a second. And the universe is still expanding right now at that speed because he said, light be. Now what happened to the darkness. Was there a struggle? Was there a fight? Did a fight ensue between light and dark? And light would win for a little while and then dark would come back strong and start to win again. Is that what happens when you walk into your dark room at night in your house and, and you flip on that light switch? Do you see a fight back and forth between dark and light? Are you standing there witnessing a battle of the ages as, as light tries so hard to illuminate your room? No. What happens? Darkness gets overtook. I think I'm making up words today. Darkness gets overtaken by the light. 
That's why John said, put that up there for us, John chapter 1, verse 1. Look at this, John chapter 1, verse 1. He's talking about the beginning. He said, in the beginning, this is what we just read about, Genesis 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Keep going. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, talking about the Word. What Word? Well, the Word that began with light be. All things were made through that Word. And without Him, without the Word, nothing was made that was made. Keep going. In Him, notice this, was life, and the life was what? The light. There's life in the light. We know that God is love, of course, but we also know that He is light. Don't limit your thinking about what the Scripture means when it talks about light. Don't just think about a, a metaphorical light and darkness, good versus evil. Think about what got released, the power and the glory that, got, that came out of the being of God when He said, light be. See, you got a duck. When God starts throwing around this little word, be, things don't just begin to happen. Things happen at the rate of 186,000 miles a second. That's, as far as we're concerned, instantaneous. That is suddenly. That is immediately. You don't get any more accelerated than the speed of light, which is the speed of God himself. And light is not just that metaphorical thing he said there's life in it. There's creative life. The life was the light. There's life in the light. Now take that same thing, go back to the book of Genesis and look and listen to the first words that ever fell on human ears. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, people like to throw this around. We're made in the image of God. But look at what he was talking about when he said that. Let them have dominion. You do not look any more like your father than you do when you are exercising the dominion that he gave you. That's when you look just like your daddy. That's when you look just like your father. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In other words, what he's saying is, let them have dominion over the natural things. I'm going to create something that looks like me. What looks like him? Supernatural. And I'm going to give you dominion over natural. What does the supernatural law do? It supersedes Natural law. Is this getting too deep for you? Are you okay? Let them have dominion over the natural world, over this atmosphere. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then, verse 28, then God blessed. God blessed them and God said to them, be. 
Come on. Same word he used when he released light. Be. This is what the blessing is. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, he's not just telling them, y'all go have some babies. That's not what this was about. He released that blessing. And he released that blessing with the same intensity, with the same glory, with the same force that came out of him when he said, light be. That's the same thing that's happening in you right now as he's looking at you saying, blessed be. Be blessed. Oh, isn't that sweet? Thank you. I, I receive your blessing, Lord. Oh, you have no idea. You have watered this thing down so little, so minimized it that we have no concept of what it truly means to be blessed. To be blessed. And I'm not talking about something you just might develop in over time. That's fine. That's good. I'm talking about what's coming on you and overtaking you. The blessing. The blessing coming on you. I'm going to have one more scripture for you in just a moment, but I just, I couldn't get past this over the last few hours, even in the early morning hours, thinking about all the times in my life, in my marriage, in this ministry, where the Lord overtook us. Anybody ever been overtaken? And I mean overtaken by blessing. People use these words too often to describe the work of the enemy in their life. You heard how, how much people talk about how overwhelmed they are. I'm just so overwhelmed by this. It's just too much for me. Just too much pressure. Just too much responsibility. I can't take it. I can't do it. I'm overwhelmed. The Lord dealt with me years ago to never again use that word overwhelmed unless I'm talking about him and his goodness and his faithfulness. That is the only context I will use the word overwhelmed. I do not, I do not voice being overwhelmed by financial situations. I will not voice being overwhelmed by a physical ailment or a sickness. I refuse to let anything else but the love and the faithfulness and the goodness of God overwhelm me. What did the psalmist say? When my heart was overwhelmed, you lead me to the rock that's way up high. Why would he put you on a rock that's way up there? Nothing can overwhelm you up there. You're higher. So we need to make that a practice. I don't, I don't refer to anything else. I give nothing else the ability to overtake me but blessing. Blessing. And I just got to thinking about all the ways over the years he has overtaken me with blessing. That started when I was just kind of minding my own business. You know, driving the speed limit. Obeying the voice of the Lord. Doing what he told me to do. Doing what he called me to do. I remember being, what, 20, mid-20s, 26, something like that, almost 27. And I'm just serving the Lord in my parents' church. They let me be the youth pastor of that church. And I'm just, you know, preaching to teenagers and, and leading a youth ministry and doing stupid things like lock-ins, which I swear I'll never do again, and <laughs> just all kinds of stuff. 
But you know, just loving God, serving God, diligently hearkening to the voice of the Lord my God. And I'm just moving along in life when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I see a picture of a girl. And she, she so captivates me that I can't quit thinking about her. And to make a long story short, I asked the Lord about her one day, having never met her before, never been introduced to her. She lived in another state. I said, what about this thing with this girl? And he said, you're going to marry her. So I said, I'm going to marry that girl. Now, a lot of times, love stories, they, they can take some time, right, to develop, to unfold. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But it was three months from the day I met Sarah that I asked her to marry me. Three months after that, we got married. So in six months' time, I met this girl, fell in love, got married, and that was 16 years ago. I got overtook. <laughs> that was the blessing of the Lord. I wasn't looking for her. Matter of fact, I had been through some things earlier in my life that just honestly were painful, really hurt. My heart was hurt. But instead of getting down and depressed over it, I'm just serving the Lord, doing what he's asked me to do, doing what my family, my parents have asked me to do. And all of a sudden, I look in the rearview mirror, and this Ferrari is bearing down on me, <laughs> catching up to me. And in a very short amount of time, I got overtaken by the blessing of the Lord. You know what would happen if you could see into the Spirit and you were driving that car in the Spirit, if you will, and you looked up in that rearview mirror? You know what the Scripture says you would see in that rearview mirror? Goodness and mercy. Isn't that what the psalmist said? Surely, goodness and mercy shall Look that up. That's not just them walking behind you. Other translations say, surely goodness and mercy will pursue me. Yeah. Now, they're not just pursuing you to keep at an arm's length from you. They're chasing you down so that they can overtake you. And I mean in a hurry, like at 186,000 miles a second. That's getting overtaken. Amen. And I just started thinking about all the times through our marriage through our ministry, stepping into our own ministry, that the Lord has just overtaken us, overtaken us one time after another. I remember, I remember there was a businessman in Fort Worth who allowed us to use his airplane. When we first stepped, we were a month into our own ministry. He said, you can use my airplane. And she and I got on that airplane for the first time and we looked at each other and we said, I think this is our airplane. And we didn't say anything to anybody about it, but it just seemed right in our heart. A few weeks later, that man called and said, I want to give you that airplane. Did you hear that? Give you, not give you a good deal, give it to you. Give you an airplane? Come on, if you drive a Honda, 1983 Honda Civic, you paid more for that thing than I did for the airplane. We got overtaken. We got overtaken. Wasn't too much longer after that. She and I were away. We we're actually here in Colorado on a little vacation, a little getaway. And I wasn't sweating the finances of the ministry, but I just noticed, I was like, Lord, we could really use a boost. <laughs> we could really use uh, a, a little pedal to the metal here. We could, we could use some help. And while we were on that trip, I got a call from that man's 
assistant in his office that said, he'd like to see you when you get home. Said, okay. Came to his office, sat down across his desk. He slid an envelope across to me. Now he'd given to us before and it was wonderful. He said, open it. I want to see the look on your face. <laughs> I opened it up. Well, just a, what, maybe a year old? I don't know. Not, not a very old ministry at that time. One million dollars. That's getting overtaken. It, it overtook us. And the Lord has done things like that over and over and over again. Blessing, blessed in the city. Being overtaken by blessing. Yeah, but what if you change and you're over here in the country now? Blessed in the country, being overtaken by it. Blessed when you come in. Blessed when you go out. Come on, has anybody else ever been overtaken? Maybe it wasn't a check like that, but it's something. Come on. I know you have been. You need to start going back and remembering all the ways he's overtaken you. When you were just motoring along, enjoying life, doing what the Lord told you to do, this is an important part. Hearing, hearkening to the voice of the Lord your God, being obedient, going where he said to go, doing what he said to do, and all of a sudden you look in that rearview mirror and here comes something chasing you down, pursuing you, about to overtake you. And what is it? Blessing. Not cursing. Blessing. Being overtaken by the blessing. And this is happening more and more. And I'm here this morning, church, to declare it over your life. Blessing is about to overtake you. Blessing. One more scripture and we'll wrap it up. Acts chapter 8. This is so cool. We're about to see supernatural acceleration. The more you look through this book, the more you're going to find it. I have come to realize over the last few weeks that supernatural acceleration is from cover to cover. All the way through the scriptures. And honestly, it's just what happens when God shows up. Acts chapter 8. Look at verse 26. It says, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. We're going to talk about Philip. Saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. This is a desert road, a deserted road. You can look this up on the internet. It'll give you a map of where Philip left from, where he was headed. There is a road that went south, just like the scripture said, from Jerusalem to a city called Gaza. Now notice the angel of the Lord didn't give him any other instruction. This is a word from God and said, go get on the road. Well, what happens when you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. He said, go get on the road. So verse 27, he arose and went and behold a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship was returning. Do a little study on this and you can find out a little bit, a little bit more about not just who this man was, but where he had come from. It talks about him being an Ethiopian. This is not our modern day Ethiopia in Africa. This is a reference to a region that was south of Egypt. So this man had traveled a long way 
to come to Jerusalem to worship there, and now he was headed home. Now guess guess which road he was on? On that one coming out of Jerusalem, headed south towards Gaza. Highway, whatever, south towards Gaza. So he's on this road. Philip's on this road behind him. This guy's returning home. Says he was sitting in his chariot. Now help me out, chariot. What's that? What else does that paint a picture of? He's got horses, right? Philip's on foot. This man's in a chariot being pulled by horses. And in case you didn't know, horses are faster than people. (laughs) Sitting in the chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, verse 29. I don't know if you're ready for this. Then the spirit said to Philip, do what? Go near and overtake the chariot. Now, how's this going to happen? Because horses are faster. We've already established that, right? Philip's on foot behind this man in his chariot. And the spirit of God says, I want you to catch up to it and overtake it. Hmm. Overtake the chariot. Verse 30. So Philip ran to him. You got to have some supernatural acceleration to catch up to a chariot being pulled by horses. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? From his, for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? This guy's got questions. He's reading scripture, but he has no idea what he's reading. You might say he's in the dark. That's what a lack of understanding is. It's having darkness. Having questions. It's not illuminated to you. He's in the dark on this. He wants to know. He wants to understand. He said, how could I understand unless somebody explains it? And he said, I ask of you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Come on. What hinders me from being baptized? Now go back with me just a few weeks. If you were here, we talked about this. All momentum begins with a moment. Begins with a moment. And the Lord said to us, this momentum, this move of God that you and I are experiencing in our church right now. I said, Lord, where did that start? And to my surprise, you know what he said? Baptisms. Baptisms. He said, that's where your momentum began. That's why all this summer long, we did not experience a slump. We didn't experience giving down, attendance down, service team down. If anything, we experienced strength. We experienced more people coming. We experienced more power, more glory. We were not losing speed. We were gaining speed. Where's that come from? How can you have that when it's summertime and everybody's gone? Come on, no, we had a moment that began some momentum for us. And he said it was baptism. Look at what baptism is about to do. He said, what keeps me, what prevents me from being baptized? 
Philip said in verse 37, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found, and let me add this, 65 miles further down the road at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Come on. What did all this start with? Go get on the road. Go get on the road, and then I'll tell you what to do next. You see that chariot up there? Overtake it. There's a man up there who's hungry to understand. He's in the dark, so what does he need? Some light. So you run up there, well, that, you know, that's, he's got horses and he's going fast. Just start running. Watch. Come on, how else does a man on foot catch up to somebody being pulled by horses? Supernatural acceleration. He catches up to him. He starts preaching Jesus to him. And what's happening? The light's coming on. The light's coming on. Light be and light was. And all the darkness that he was shrouded in didn't see, didn't know, didn't understand. The light came on and he said, Jesus Christ is the son of God. I want to be baptized. Come on, let's dunk you right now. They get off of that chariot. He baptizes him. And as soon as he comes out of the water, Philip travels at light speed. Light speed. Talk about momentum. It does not get faster than that. Why are we talking about this? I don't know. <laughs> Except to say the Lord wants us to begin to expect it. Begin to expect it. Now, I don't know if he wants to translate you somewhere else, but would you let him if he needed to? Come on, would you let him get more done with you and through you in a moment of time, more than what took you weeks and months previously? Would you let the Lord accomplish more through you in a year than used to you could accomplish in 10 years? Would you let him do that through you? Would you let him do that for you? Would you let him be, let, would you allow him to strengthen and enable you to be the light that overtakes somebody's darkness? Huh? Get out on the road, right? And you start catching up to them. I, I, I don't know what all we're seeing in this, but I, all I see in it is supernatural acceleration. And Lord, you want to do something like that? Do it with me. You can do it with me. Amen. Somebody say, do it with me, Lord. Stand on your feet. Hallelujah. What's all that mean? I, I'm really, I'm honestly not totally sure, <laughs> but I'm expecting it. I am expecting some supernatural Acceleration. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. 
Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.